the Cincinnati Reds missed an opportunity to build momentum. What is a reasonable expectation for Hunter Green in his next start? Joey Votto is doing Joey Votto things because Votto still bangs. And he's continuing to cement his status as an all-time great. Jeff and I are going to discuss all of that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We have been podcasting about this team into our fourth season. We've been lifelong fans that, I mean, come on, we're addicted at this point because we're still talking about this team. We turned this addiction into information for you on today's Locked On Reds podcast. That's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen, by the way. We are free and available on all platforms. We're going to talk about the Reds and this just absolutely dropped opportunity that they had against the Washington Nationals. Why it looks like they've pretty much got to put together a complete performance on a nightly basis in order to get a win. We're also going to talk about Hunter Green, what he's got to do against the Arizona Diamondbacks tonight, and Joey Votto, and why he's a Hall of Famer. But Steve, before we get into all of that, we have absolutely got to talk about this series where the Reds drop three of four to the Washington Nationals. No, not the Los Angeles Dodgers. No, not the New York Mets. No, the Washington Nationals, Steve. This is the kind of team that if you're going to stop being a last place team, you're going to beat. But guess what? Looks like the Reds were that for the Nationals. You know, this losing this series to the Nationals is probably one of the more on-brand things they've done <laughs> recently. Uh, they've been hitting, they've been performing well, they've been getting some pitching, and of course all of that was to just tease us to, you know, punch us right in the gut because, you know, when it matters most, they don't go out and win the things they should win. And I think that's what you're alluding to, uh, for this team to, to change the narrative and, and really cement the narrative change to really make it be about wins and losses and not about all the drama that happened earlier in April. I'm so tired of talking about <laughs> April and hearing about April, but in order to make that go away, they've got to get consistent. And that is the word that I have been preaching for weeks now on the podcast, Jeff consistency and and this is what they lack they don't put together a consistent performance across all aspects of the game it's either they're fielding okay but nobody can hit the ball they're hitting the ball but the bullpen can't get an out to save their life uh, they really just can't put it all together and it's it's from a fan standpoint it's very frustrating from a team standpoint they have to be frustrated in that clubhouse and we're not seeing any fractures we're not seeing any emotion boil over but it's got to get old going to the ballpark every day and having one aspect of the team let you down over and over and over no, again. I, I couldn't agree more you're talking about kind of the microcosm of what this reds team has been was this weekend there was just 
there was a game where starting pitching failed them. Mike Miner coming back did not have the effect that we were hoping. You had the game where the bullpen blew it because, come on, they should have won on Saturday. And then you had the game where the defense and really the base running too blew it, and that was on Sunday. And it all coalesced into this one play with Nick Senzel, which is kind of where I wanted to focus on our talk about this series because – on the whole, this really has what the problem for this entire season has been for the Reds team. It just feels like they lose focus for a minute because there's absolutely no reason, Steve. I, I have no idea why, and we can talk about whether he was safe or whether he was out or, or what have you and whether replay review failed the Reds again, but the fact of the matter is he shouldn't have been that far off of first base in the first place. He was the trailing runner and the catcher threw behind him with a very nice throw, by the way. Kiebert Ruiz looking like a very nice catcher for the future for them. But a very nice throw. Gets Nick Senzel out. Ends the game. No, no, no comeback there. Brandon Drury. Nope. Nope. Tommy Pham on the on-deck circle. Yep. Go put your stuff back up. Joey Votto in the hole. Nope. Doesn't matter. Nick Senzel gets thrown off first. You can't do that. You really can't end a game that way. No, and, and, and boy, you hit a lot of points there that I, I want to touch on. Um, the first thing being, uh, I watched several of the replay angles. I think he was out by about an inch. Uh, there's one of the last, if you go on, if you have MLB TV, if you go to the Reds website, they have the, the re- reviews, the replays up there. One of the very last ones they show, I think you can pretty clearly see that his hand hadn't quite reached the bag by the time the tag hits his elbow. But the, the fact of the matter is you're correct. That was very sloppy base running. And I think that Senzel either got a little bit greedy or got a little bit lazy, but either way, it wasn't high quality major league baseball running. Uh, I don't think Senzel anticipated that they would snap a three throw down there in that situation. But the, the real piece of this, Jeff, is against this Washington Nationals team, the Reds should have never been in a position to play the bottom <laughs> of the ninth. We didn't, shouldn't be talking about this. They should have beat yeah. this team. But no, they can't, they can't hold this, this team that they're, they're facing that is really you know, not one of the best out there to under five runs, apparently. It's, 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 it's a situation where, once again, you know, the team has failed to, to outplay its opponent or maybe better said they are dropping their level of play to match their opponent at any rate they shouldn't have been in that position jeff i think that uh, it, it was a failure uh, on the team's part to even be playing the bottom of the i night. agree and part of that has to stem from the fourth inning where the defense completely failed them there was a bad error by kyle farmer bad error by aristides aquino but on top of that you had I don't even know if you want to call it lazy, like lackadaisical fielding the way that they tried to turn two double plays. They couldn't neither time, especially the one where the ball was hit straight to Joey Votto. It really kind of felt like Joey Votto was leisurely going through that throw. And then Brandon Drury on the relay was leisurely going through the throw back to Luis Castillo covering first base. And it failed Castillo in that there was a runner on third who scored because they could not turn the inning ending double play. And it was just frustrating to see in the fourth inning the defensive collapse that they had. Sure, in that inning, the Nationals only scored two runs. They shouldn't have scored any. And and, and the fact that they scored two because the Reds entered that inning with the lead just goes to show you, which is really kind of where I've, I've looked at with this entire weekend, is that the Reds aren't going to win unless all parts of this team are working together. 
And, you know, we talk about good teams like the Mets and the Dodgers and stuff like that. They can have games where maybe they don't have their best stuff from their starting pitcher. Maybe their bullpen is a little bit rough. They can pick themselves up because the rest of the team is so strong. The Reds can't do that. And, you know, one of the things to watch with what you're saying, Jeff, is and we should probably spend some time uh, talking about this uh, coming up sometime this week. But, you know, we're into June now. This is the first week of June. And this team is pretty solidly trailing almost everybody else. Uh, there's a real danger now at this point in the season for the team to really lose its sense of urgency, for them to not play with fire. And this is where leadership, both in the form of management and in the form of a team leader, of a captain, so to speak, uh, is really going to come into play for, to remind these guys, you're major leaguers, you need to play with some pride and you need to play with some intensity. And it's going to be interesting to watch now that we're into June to see where that leadership is going to come from because this team, as young as it is and as far out as it is right now, is going to need a little bit of help to remain focused and continue to try and get better. Yeah, this was the kind of game that I think if the Reds had a leader, he would have stepped up. And I, I, don't get me wrong. I love Joey Votto, but Joey Votto has never been that kind of a guy. Like he's always led by example. He's always he's not been the rah-rah kind of dude. So it's not going to be him. But I don't think there is anybody on this team that's going to do that because they would have done it. No, I totally agree. You know, one thing's for sure, Jeff, the Reds are, are going to continue to lose. There are not going to be very many wins for this team unless all part of the teams really begin to work together and somebody uh, like we're talking about, a Joey Votto, a grizzled veteran, uh, really helps to focus them. Uh, you know, the Reds need Hunter Green to be great uh, if they want to right the ship and reach 74 wins so that Jeff and I and all of you who took the over along with us can win some green. Uh, we all need the green, and if you want to improve your health, you need some green also. Athletic green. Athletic green. So you're probably asking yourself, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus. It helps fight off aging. It does all of the things, and we need to send cases of it to Great American Ballpark right now. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It costs less than $3 a day, so Bob Castellini will support it. And you're going to be spending that $3 a day investing in your health. And it's cheaper than that cold brew habit you might have when you stop by the local coffee shop. Uh, if you're on uh, any kind of special Diet, it is lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free, AG1 will work for you. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. One scoop does it all. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and Five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Get yourself started today. Thank you for making Locked on Reds your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. 
They have recaps of all the MLB games with analysis from your local experts. Uh, the Locked On, <clears throat> excuse me, the Locked On Now podcast is going to take you through the Major League Baseball season like no network has ever before. The Locked On Now podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like Locked On Reds. Make sure you're following Locked On Reds on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And don't forget to subscribe over at YouTube. We've got lots of great stuff over at YouTube. You can see Jeff and mine's smiling faces, plus some uh, exclusive bonus video content you're only going to find right there at Locked On Reds on the YouTube channel. Uh, Coming up tomorrow, we will be discussing who will be the core of the Reds team in general in the 2024 season as we continue to pay a little bit of attention to that as we work our way through this season and next. We're going to be uh, keeping you primed and ready for all the exciting talent coming in 2024. But Jeff, some of the talent that's here right now uh, is the pitching and one of those guys is Hunter Green. And uh, while he's been pretty good, uh, there's some breakdowns along the way that have have gotten him in trouble and have been disappointing. And I think, you know, we talked about this uh, when we knew he was going to make the team out of camp, that there were going to be some growing pains. There were going to be times where he looked like, well, a rookie. And that's because he is a rookie. So I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. I'm not really even overly concerned. But, you know, the Reds do need him to continue to grow and get better each time out. And uh, I know you've been really paying pretty close attention when he pitches. And you've got some observations that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Because when we talk about tomorrow on the on on the podcast, when we look at the core of the team in 2024, Hunter Green's going to be right there in the middle of it. He's going to be the core of the core uh, because he's so good. Part of the thing that he's really been struggling with this season, a lot of people are saying is, well, the fastball doesn't move. That's actually incorrect. And it was something that I, up until when I was looking on Baseball Savant to really kind of check this out, I was kind of reiterating that. I thought that the the fastball was pretty flat. But according to Baseball Savant, it actually moves on average when you're talking about horizontal movement, moves a little bit more than Luis Castillo's forcing fastball. Now, Castillo has the sinker, and that is really where the big difference comes in. Castillo's got that third pitch, and he's got that fourth pitch when he can drop in the slider, and of course he's got the changeup too. Hunter Green needs a third pitch, and that's really what it boils down to. I think that we're trying to focus in too hard. I think that we're trying to make this mountain out of a or a mountain out of a molehill when it comes to Hunter Green and say, "Well, he's got this problem and this problem, and this but he really doesn't. He just needs to develop that third pitch because in that last start in Fenway. He only threw his changeup once. And I know that's something that we talked about in spring training was that, okay, it looks like he's got a pretty solid changeup that he's got a lot of confidence in. He has not shown that confidence in that pitch at all this year. That changeup is so important, Jeff, because at the end of the day, he's facing major league hitters. And if you continue to groove your stuff up there in the same speed and you let them time you up, they are going to figure out a way to hit you. And I think that that's what we see in every start because in his last start, he's cruising along. He strikes out six, seven, eight guys, but then all of a sudden the wheels come off. And that was when the hitters timed him up. And, and when, you, when you fail to mix it up uh, and you let those guys settle in and get comfortable, uh, trouble is going to happen. And I think that that's what's happened in each of his last few starts. Uh, I'm curious if... They are actually actively working on trying to get him to throw that pitch. I don't see a whole lot of, of him shaking off Tyler Stevenson. I don't see a whole lot of, of 
turmoil between uh, the guys calling the pitches and Hunter Green delivering them. So I wonder if they don't think it's really major league ready. It's, it's, it's a little confusing because, you know, even if Tyler Stevenson's not calling that pitch at some point in time, someone would be interceding from the dugout and Derek Johnson would be coming out and saying, Hey, you got to throw this pitch kid, but none of that is happening. So I'm a little, I'm a little concerned because I think you're absolutely right. Uh, he needs that third pitch and he needs it sooner than later uh, to continue to develop and grow this season. And I think that there's definitely a baseline for it, even with himself. It's not as if we're talking about him coming up and just completely creating something out of nothing. In innings where he pitches backwards, where he really starts the hitters off with like a slider, maybe even drops that slider in for a strike, he is dominating guys because then he can turn to his fastball for that swing and miss because he's so good at mixing those two pitches. It's when... He's not dropping the slider in the strike zone, and guys know they can just lay off of that and wait for the fast thing because the fast thing's going to come in. They're going to time it. They're going to clobber it. That changeup is something that I think Derek Johnson really hammers home with his pitchers, be great at what you're good at. And I don't think that he's trying to put too much on the young kid in year one, but it's absolutely something he's got to do because that changeup is going to change the game when it comes to his pitch repertoire, especially if he can you know, do the pitch tunneling where he's got the same release point and things like that and really mess with dudes. Even if the changeup's like 90 miles an hour, you're still talking about you know a 9 to 10 mile an hour difference, and that's really where this all comes into play. You've got to be deceptive, and I just don't think that the two pitches that he has are deceptive enough. No, and I think people you know, it's hard because velo is impressive. And we we always talk about the velo and oh, he's at a hundred, he's at a hundred, but whether you're throwing a 90 mile an hour fastball and mixing in an 80 mile an hour changeup, or you're throwing a hundred mile an hour fastball and mixing in a 90 mile an hour changeup, that 10 mile per hour difference is enough to screw up the timing of a major league hitter. And you get them out in front of the ball and they're going to pull it foul or they're going to miss it. Uh, they're definitely not going to hit you 420 feet over the wall. So I think that we, we need to we need to recognize that while his velo is higher and that that the velo on that changeup is also higher, that doesn't make it a bad pitch. And that doesn't mean that it's not accomplishing what you're trying to accomplish with that change in speed. It's all about disrupting that timing. And I'm really am just confused, Jeff, as to why he is not throwing it more. I have the same same here and especially. The way that pitches spin, the way that a fastball spins as opposed to a changeup, hitters are at the professional level, they are good enough to notice that. So if you can turn a different, uh, you know, create a different spin direction, I guess, with your changeup, then I think that's going to do more than enough. Something else that also interests me because I think that when we consider a pitcher's mentality on the mound, we want him to be comfortable, we want him to be calm. He almost said he got too comfortable in his last start in Fenway. That was something that he noted in the post-game press conference that he was just like, you know, he got too comfortable and he lost his edge. So there's this fine line, this very finite space that Hunter Green has to has to fall within because I noticed, I mean, we, we talked about this a lot in his first couple of starts, like in Atlanta and in Los Angeles, he was doing like breathing exercises on the mound to calm him down. Now it's almost like, 
does he need, I don't know, like a Mountain Dew out on the mound so that he can keep his edge? Like, the, uh, just to keep you within that finite space? I, I think that's part of what we what we mean when we talk about, you know, he's going to be a rookie that does rookie things. Um, he's going to lose yeah. focus. He's going to, you know, for whatever reason, what we call that, too comfortable. Lack of adrenaline. Lack of, lack of focus. Lack of, you know... I don't think it's has anything to do with his preparation or, or professionalism. I just think that, you know, as, as you are learning to pitch and, and let's face it, pitching in the major leagues is part art, part science, and you have to be able to put it all together. And, and Hunter's going to need to continue to work on that. But I do like how, reflective he is after starts and not afraid to tell you exactly what he thinks maybe that he did wrong and what he identified as a problem Uh, a lot of pitchers won't do that and i do i do find it refreshing that he comes out and faces the media and says okay here's where i screwed up guys and and to me that says i've identified a thing that i'm going to be working on so we just need to see him now to to implement that next piece to work on it in between starts and we need to see something different the next time out so one of the things to watch in this next start is what does his focus look like? What does his energy level look like? Uh, what is going on with pitch selection? So, you know, it, it's definitely, it's definitely uh, a lot of pieces to pay attention to in this upcoming start just to see what kind of growth is occurring. And I love that you brought that point up because there are a lot of people that are just seeing the box score, seeing the numbers that he has, the homers that he's allowing, the ERA that he currently holds, and they say, oh, it's another home of Bailey, another guy that's supposed to be the next best thing, and he's just not going to be that good. That's the key difference because when Homer Bailey talked about his starts, he was just like, yeah, whatever, you know, I'll be better (laughs) next time out. Like Hunter Green's doing a lot more than that. He's not. This is not Homer. Look, Hunter Green needs a good outing for himself, much less for the Reds to get a win tonight against the Diamondbacks. But I, I just think that he is coming from a different perspective. He is going to be so good because this is his bad stuff, right? And his bad stuff is still as well as he is doing, like in the strikeout area, you know, as opposed to everything else that's going on. Oh, absolutely. So I, I, I love this, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Hunter Green has in store for us tonight. But I'm going to tell you what. Joey Votto is knocking the cover off the ball right now and passing up all-time great Reds on his way to the Hall of Fame. If you're looking for the next great bet, like Joey's next home run, head to bet online. In fact, tonight, the Reds are minus 122 against the Diamondbacks with Hunter Green on the mound, like we mentioned. And he's going up against Madison Bumgarner. A little bit of a difference here in age. You've got the young, up-and-coming stud in Hunter Green, and you've got the really old, just crotchety old guy on the mound. Old Madison Bumgarner pitching for the Diamondbacks. That's why the Reds are favored, because they think that Hunter Green's going to calm down. If you agree, head on over to Bet Online, because our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, scores, and sports developments on the Major League Baseball season on the NBA finals that are going on right now on the NHL playoffs that have just been phenomenal to watch. If you even like hockey just a little bit and you haven't watched any of it, you're missing out. Plus they've got NFL futures as well as fights like UFC and boxing. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to the playoffs, esports, and more. 
Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online is where the game starts. They were also our title sponsor for today, which I forgot to shout that out, you know, where the game starts. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's, as my name tag says down there. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker, as that name tag says right there. And you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. We got a lot of F's in there, except for the Locked On Reds Twitter handle. Uh, yeah, just two for Steve, though, because, uh, you know. He's, he's missing one F. He's one F short. All right, Joey Votto. Man, he's been fun right now, Steve. I love watching Joey Votto. You know, Joey Votto, like I said in, in our cold open, Jeff, Joey Votto is do, doing Joey Votto things, and, and Votto still bangs. It has been so great to see what he has done since coming off the injured list uh, when he had that bout uh, with the COVID. He, he's come back. He's come back strong. He's hitting a lot of extra base hit, hits. He's hitting for a lot of power. Uh, Fenway robbed him a couple times of home runs. Uh, Great American Ballpark held one that I really thought was out when he hit it a couple games back. And he just continues to drive the ball. And to listen to Joey talk, to, to listen to what he's saying about his swing right now, he's still saying it's not quite there. It's almost there. It's almost there. So, you know, I think, Jeff, what we're going to see is another one of those unbelievable power runs like we saw last season because Joey was saying the same things. He was hitting a lot of extra base hits. He was driving the ball. They weren't quite getting to where. And then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose and nobody could get Joey Votto out. And he hit home runs and, you know, uh, record setting consecutive games. So I think that's coming. I'm getting excited, Jeff. And, uh, you know, it's just further cements him as an all-time great, not an all-time Reds great, an all-time great. He is, is continuing to pass legendary Cincinnati Reds on the franchise all-time list. And I think that these are the things that we need to see from Joey. And more importantly, the set in their ways voters for the Hall of Fame need to see from Joey to make sure that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. And therein lies the enigma of this all and the, the whole idea of the voters and it's other people who view his career and have to decide on things. And it's funny because you said like, you know, Joey said he, he doesn't feel like it's all there yet, even though he has been as good as uh, as he has looked in a while especially when you look at his numbers, there's still people that are keep saying, well, he's still betting under 200. Yeah. That was just a really, really bad start up until he went on the COVID IL. But also what he said is something along the lines of a couple of weeks ago, he was on the Dan Patrick show. And I really wanted to talk about this whenever uh, he was right on it, but we had other stuff going on and Tommy fan was slapping people. So, <laughs> you know, we, we were going to get to this eventually. I loved it though, because Dan Patrick asked him, he said, how many hits do you need to get into the hall of fame? And Joey had the best answer in the world. Joey, Joey is Joey, obviously, but he's Joey 100% of the time because he said, if you're asking me, that probably means I'm not a Hall of Famer. And, and he expounded on that point because he was just like, when you talk to a Hall of Famer, you say future Hall of Famer. Oh, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. You don't ask them, what do you need to do to get into the Hall of Fame? You know that he's a Hall of Famer because he even brought up the example. He was just like, when you talk to Clayton Kershaw, do you ask him how many strikeouts he needs to get into the Hall of Fame? No, because he's a Hall of Famer. Joey Votto's a Hall of Famer, though. Like, let's stop this right now, because he is putting together the kind of career that we are going to look back on, not just as Reds fans, but as baseball fans as a whole, and just be like, this dude was one of the most complete hitters we've ever seen. 
You know, and I think part of the problem is, and, and we hear people talk about this, Jeff, and I think that it's a fair conversation. It's a fair narrative, but we need to talk about it more. And that is the days of looking at a hitter and saying, oh, well, he hit for 300. He got 3,000 hits. He's got 500 home runs. He is a Hall of Famer. Those days are done. With with the way that this game has evolved and, and the way they're playing defense differently, the way that we're using analytics, the way we're playing matchups, all of those things are going to change the counting stats, and we're going to need to look at other things. We're going to be talking about OPS+. plus. We're going to be talking about on-base percentage. We're going to be talking about war. Wins above replacement is what we're going to be talking about, and I think that it's hard for not only a generation of voters that have always done it a certain way, but a generation of fans that have always looked at a player a certain way and used that metric to decide whether they are good or not. And I encourage anybody that can't look at Joey Votto right now and say he is a first ballot Hall of Famer to take a half an hour, Google a couple terms like war, OPS plus, the stats that are going to matter in the future, and then reevaluate how it is that you feel about Joey Votto. A lot of Reds fans have been listening to a narrative for far too long that was driven by play, uh, by announcers, by media, by people that weren't playing the game that had a certain opinion of these new statistics. And it's really been a disservice to Joey Votto. And I think it's led a lot of Reds fans to really underappreciate what we've had in front of our eyes all these years. Yeah, and there's still a couple of people, even on local broadcasts, that are talking about how, you know, the years of worrying about walking too much and stuff like this have really hurt his Hall of Fame case. And it's just like, no. I, I, there's so many things that we can talk about as to why those walks happen. You look at the teams that surrounded him, and this was something that I talked about the other day whenever it was me on the pod and you were away, is that. He is the guy in the lineup that if you are an opposing pitcher and you're preparing for the Reds, he's the guy that you're worried about. Who else are you worried about consistently? Like, I get it. There's been guys that have cropped up and had hits, but there's not a guy that like Madison Bumgarner tonight. He is a grizzled vet who's been doing this forever. He knows how to prepare for a team. He knows who to worry about. Is he worried about anybody else but Joey Votto? In the grand scheme, probably not. You know, he might pay a little extra attention to guys like Tyler Stevenson, who seems to be getting hot, and Tommy Pham, who who has little outbursts of offensive talent as well as, you know, emotional outbursts. But at the end of the day, you're absolutely right, because Joey Votto is the one guy in this lineup that even if he is not hitting well in the moment, he can see something, he can watch you do something in the batter before and make an instant adjustment that will beat you and he will go yard on you and he will he will hurt your team. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Joey Votto is the one guy in this lineup that can do that. And because of that, if you're a veteran pitcher like Madison Bumgarner or the many veteran pitchers that they will face the rest of this year, why on earth are you throwing him anything good to hit? at all like it, it shouldn't even be near the zone and that's something that I think people have discounted when they look back and they say well he was more worried about walking than hitting he's talked in in recent interviews and in fact I believe is in that Dan Patrick interview later on during the course of the questions and stuff he was just like no of course a walk isn't better than a hit but that's what he's going to be facing a lot this year is just guys that are going to be pitching around him. And that's what he's faced his entire career because let's face it, as much as a Eugenio Suarez cropped up as much as you had guys here and there, there was never that other person that you were that worried about that you had to pitch to Joey Votto. You know, you're absolutely correct. Joey did say, no, a walk is not better than a hit. But I'll tell you this, a walk is not better than a hit. A hit can give you more outcomes, but a walk is better than an out. 
walk is better than a strikeout. So uh, in the yeah. situations where guys aren't giving Joey stuff to hit, absolutely you take the walk. I would I would much rather he go up there and walk and then hack at things. Uh, we've seen we've seen hitters that do that. We've seen hitters where it's all or nothing. They're going to hit a home run. They're going to strike out. It's the knock against Adam Dunn all of those years, right? He's either going to hit a long ball or he's going to strike out because he's going to go up there and hack at the ball. Uh, he did not have command of the strike zone. Uh, I love that Joey has you know a, a good working knowledge of the strike zone and would much rather that he uh, that he draws a walk. But I know one thing's for sure, Jeff. Joey Votto is not only a Hall of Famer. Joey Votto is a first ballot Hall of Famer. No question. 100%. All right. I think that is where we're going to end it today, Jeff, with Joey Votto being a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's going to wrap up this edition of the show. Uh, Coming up on the next podcast, we're going to continue to evaluate what the core of the Reds team looks like as we move closer and closer and closer every day to 2024. We will also break down all of the on-field action for your Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Thanks so much for making Locked on Red your first listen of the day. Now make the Locked on MLB podcast your second listen. Sully brings you his unique perspective of the major leagues, both past and present. The Locked on MLB podcast, just like Locked on Reds, is free and available on all platforms. Jeff, the Reds aren't taking advantage of all their opportunities, but still, there are positives. There are things to watch. There is excitement when this team takes the field. So what can people count on from us along the way? And count on us to be locked on Reds every single day. Talk to you tomorrow.